0: Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. In this episode, we will be asking, what were the first Grandmaster's objectives? If ever there was a question that could pry open and expose the secrets of Freemasonry, this is it. Because I know of your passion for this subject, (laughs) I will waste no
1: more time
0: and I will hand straight over to you, Brother Earnshaw.
1: Thank you. Yes, uh, right. For, For me, this is one of the most important questions. Because I believe that modern Freemasonry is actually quite different from what the first three grandmasters had originally envisioned. So to understand their objectives, we need to understand the political and social situation at the time in England. And I spend quite a lot of time in my books uh, laying down this foundation so that um, readers can understand uh, what what exactly was going on. So the first issue that um, Masons had to contend with was that of the Jacobites. The Jacobites were supporters of King James and their objective was to overthrow the Stuart monarchy and to set up a new king or queen who was a Catholic and who would change the whole country to Catholicism. The monarchy at the time of the, the revival of Freemasonry uh, was the Protestant Hanoverian uh, King George the I, and he was actually German. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, this was a major issue, and the Jacobites had several uh, rebellions uh, continuing up until 1745, uh, which is, what's mm-hmm. that, uh 25 30 years after the beginning of freemasonry they were still trying to foment uh change and then the second in, in uh issue that was very important to early freemasons was to do with immortality and we've i talked about that in another podcast so it's not important to repeat it here
0: sure well freemasonry certainly was a product of the times And England at that time was a crucible for social and political revolution and had been heated by various groups. Uh, This is fairly well known, but do you think the link to the religious uh, change and the quest for immortality
1: plays into this at all? Well, yeah, so um, uh, I think it was a kind of um, serendipity. What happened was that uh, George Payne, who was an antiquarian, who is a person who collects old documents, and John de Sagulier, who was an assistant to Sir Isaac Newton at the Royal Society, they came across a secret initiation and decided that operative Freemasonry would be the uh, vehicle to promote this secret teaching. And Masonry at that time was in decline uh because of uh in the building trade and other things so this secret teaching uh, is actually a little bit complicated and that's what my four books are all about so um i don't think it's this is the place to go into detail we can we can do it in another podcast
0: yes and i'll leave the listeners on hooks for that one <laughs> please subscribe and you'll be able to be notified when that does come into the podcast series or you could alternatively read Brother Andrew's
1: books. (laughs) So the the outcome of this, uh, what they discovered, was the establishment of speculative Freemasonry in 1717. And uh, um, then other organisations were set up trying to copy what had been done. Um, However, they did not have the original... Uh, ritual, the, the speculative Masons, most of these new degrees were just guesswork based on various occult teachings such as Rosicrucianism uh, that had basically just been repackaged. Um, I also believe that many of the other organizations and, uh, which were set up in, in the early days of Masonry, uh, they were set up to be run for a profit because at those times, those days, they could charge their members quite an expensive uh, initiation fee. And if you read the old literature, uh, the, the what we call the exposés, many people were complaining how expensive Freemasonry was. Um, a typical charge was seven and six, uh, seven shillings and sixpence, which works out to about 50 pounds, just under 50 pounds. Um, uh because the exchange rates etc but in those days that would probably like be 120 dollars or something so yeah. it's quite expensive
0: yes well that sounds like a, a extremely familiar concept nowadays repackaging something and yes. selling it for a marked up price Goodness <laughs>
1: yes. yeah so um uh so when we ask what were the first freemasons objectives when they set up the Grand Lodge of England, and actually before that, the premier Grand Lodge, I believe it was to teach this secret initiation and a lesson about immortality to a wider audience. So the social issues, such as books that argued for and against immortality and a questioning of Catholicism, and of course, at that time, many... Uh, Protestant sects with various beliefs had been set up. Um, uh, And of course, there was uh, the... the, Let's not go into that. There's just so many avenues to this. Uh, But one thing that was actually quite important was they believed they were at the end of times Mm -hmm. because there had been so many calamities Uh, in the late 1600s we'd had the great fire of London we had the great flood that nobody talks about but the great flood thousands of probably tens of thousands of people lost their lives Um, water ships were uh, washed up over 100 miles inland from the south of England You know, um, and it took months for the waters to subside. We don't really hear much about the Great Flood. The other thing was, of course, there were comets were seen in the sky, even in daylight. And this, even nowadays, that's quite an uncommon experience. Mm -hmm. And they believed that the the, uh, comets were announcing an imminent calamity of some cosmic proportions. So... All this was happening, and at the same time, Freemasonry was getting, its, was getting started. Um, so uh, the first three grandmasters, uh, Anthony Sayer, George Payne, and John de Sagalia, used this opportunity to set up fr- um, speculative Freemasons, sorry, Freemasonry, where people could learn about their own immortality. And that was the secret teaching.
0: Fascinating. I didn't really know about the Great Flood. That's something I'm going to have to research. <laughs> well, it seems there was certainly fire in the minds of men in those days. The signs yeah. of an impending catastrophe of biblical proportions would have certainly been a catalyst to write a ritual that would have demonstrated immortality. Uh, rebuilding from catastrophe uh, makes me think of the Noahite myth and Royal Art Mariners. Just, yes. uh, just something that triggered in my mind then. Well, listeners, I hope that your view of Freemasonry is changing and ever elucidating. I'd like to thank Brother Earnshaw for laying things out so concisely and clearly. (laughs) These are the things that can stagnate your research for decades. And in just a few minutes, you can garner a pearl of wisdom that can trump many a lifetime's research. Many thanks, Brother Earnshaw. This brings this episode to a close. If you have any questions, please email on the link below. We now part on the square and we will meet soon. Thank you and goodbye.
1: Goodbye.